Retro Rebel Gamecast is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebel is released every Friday, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook at Temple of Geek for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Hello. 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 So, it's been a while. How are things? Just kidding. So, we are doing our second... Uh, the second part to Franken Game, and so uh, last week we discussed, uh, you know, the first half of that. But before we get into that, we always go around the table and just see what we've been doing and what we've been playing. So, Amanda, what have you been playing since last we spoke? I'm a great disappointment. Uh, I downloaded and installed Shadows <laughs> Awakening everywhere. <laughs> don't don't die. Yeah, people depend no, on you. Die. We've already we've already established <laughs> no one depends on me. No. <laughs> Sorry. So I uh, I downloaded and installed Shadows Awakening, uh, which is this uh, sort of more indie stroke, more third party developer sort of game that caught my interest. But actually, I, I haven't done more than look at the title screen. Um, you know, I've been out there living my best life. You know, I've uh, I've been on a bit of a bender. I'm not gonna lie. I think I think I've had two days that were not booze related. So I just need to calm down and Very play nice. video games. Yeah, keep calm, play video games. That's right. Keep calm and play video games. Mm. So yeah, I I'm I'm a huge disappointment to the podcast fans, and uh, <laughs> I apologize. I will do better. <laughs> you, you be better. Just be better. Um, yeah. Well, for me, I have I have actually I, I, I play two games. Um, I am like last week. I was still I'm still on the DLC for Spider Man, um, the Turf Wars DLC. And my complaint last week was that, and it's not really it's a non complaint complaint, but the fact that the difficulty does ramp up and it does get more difficult. Uh, it, it continues that trend of getting more difficult, but you don't get like a subsequent increase in in your your uh, strength. Like, uh, you don't level up nearly as fast. And, uh, and so, and I guess that's how most games are. It just seems like a couple of the enemies that they've introduced in this new DLC are kind of frustratingly broken in the way that you have to, uh, to eliminate them. They have a very specific, only a couple ways that you can do it. And, uh, and they're just a little frustrating anyway. So I'm stuck on this one warehouse where I'm trying to clear out all of Hammerhead's bad guys. And, uh, there's, I'm, there's no less than 30 or 40 of them in there. Probably more than that. Cause I think there's five or six waves of them. And, uh, I get through like the third or fourth wave. And by the fifth wave, I end up getting destroyed by a rocket or something that I can't see. That's not on camera, but I'll hear it right when it is about to hit me. So, so because of that frustration, uh, I went ahead and booted up red dead Two. And, uh, so I've been playing that and, uh, so I just kind of jumped in. What's that? T tell me, tell me, like everyone me, is me. going <laughs> mad for this. My flatmate's barely left his room. Game. It's, 
I'd say, you know, God of War is, is a beautiful game. Um, I, you know, I, you'd be hard pressed to find a prettier game, one that has better, that's more immersive from that perspective. Just like, I mean, you're in the world, you, you know, they're, they don't have the uncanny valley of not their mouths, not matching the words, um, you know, and most of that's because it's kind of scripted and it's, you know, there's only one option. Well, Red Dead is beautiful and, and every, it's, it's tediously beautiful. I don't even know if that's a thing, but what I mean by that is the fact that there are so many details that are rendered in this game. And I know everybody's talked about that, but until you've actually seen it in action, it's like watching a 120 hour Western <laughs> and then it's much better than that sounds. Um, it, it, the, it's just everything about the, the, at the, the, um, the ambiance of it, the, the environments, the, the characters, everything feels very authentic. And the, you know, although the controls, I'm having a little bit of uh, trouble getting used to them because I'm just stuck with the, the Spider-Man controls right now, trying to get used to, cause I don't play the rockstar games where you've got all of these different item wheels and things like that, that you have to more or less switch to in real time. I can't just stop and look at things. I have to actually figure it out now. And so, um, you know, it starts out and you're in the snow and I don't think this is spoilery. Um, if it is spoilery, sorry, you're in the <laughs> snow. Um, and you, you know, you're playing a different character. All this stuff is in trailers. So you're playing Arthur. Um, and Arthur is, uh, you know, a part of Dutch's gang. Again, Dutch is a character from the first Red Dead Redemption, um, that you meet. And so you kind of, you know, so this is a prequel more or less, uh, to the first one and it, but it's just beautiful. And the things that I, you know, I've already robbed a train, um, I've, uh, which was fun. And you, have you ever seen Tombstone? The movie Tombstone? Um, I think so. Like back in the day, back in the day. Okay. Well, anyone that's seen Tombstone. This reference may work. I play every level as if I am either Doc Holliday. I switch between Doc Holliday or Wyatt Earp in the scene where they're, he's going across the river and he literally can't be shot by anything. And and it's not that I can't be shot by anything because I get shot all the time. <laughs> I just act like I can't be shot. And so I just march forward and kill everything. Uh <laughs> Oh my and, god! Uh, it, it's mostly because I don't understand the duck mechanic or the or the or the mechanic for for just hiding and peeking around a corner at this point. Uh, it's too much for me to do at this point, so I just kind of run to the highest point and shoot everything and march forward. It's been fun. It's been pretty awesome. It's pretty early in the game though, so I'm sure I'm gonna get my ass handed to me uh, soon enough. That's so funny. That reminds me of a player unknown battlegrounds meme. It's like some old Western, like a clip from an old Western. And there's a guy like ducking behind a well, shooting at another dude that just has pots and pans, like hanging all over him. He's just walking like straight towards him. The guy's like hitting the pans. And at the end it's like player unknown battlegrounds. I don't know why it was so funny. And it also made me think of that. <laughs> well, that, well, that's, I think that's a scene from Buster Scruggs, the show that's on Netflix right now. Where oh there's a guy God. behind a well and he's shooting over the well and he keeps hitting yeah. the guy in a, in a yeah. pan and he's got a <laughs> rifle. Yeah. And he's just sprinting it, at him. Yeah. It made me die. So that's basically what you're doing is what that's you're saying. That's basically what I'm doing. Only I have no pans. 
and a no pen. Well, you need to get yourself a pen, son. I need to get myself a pen. Well, I thought I was really worried early on because I'm still very early in the game. I think I'm in like the fourth or fifth um, quest, and you start out in you start out with a, a a gang, and so you're in Dutch's gang, and you meet meet all the people in the gang, and uh, you know, and so you kind of get an idea who all what all their personalities are like, and and whose whose role. Uh, you know, what role they fill within the camp. Um, and then, uh, you know, you have to figure out the hunting mechanic. And so they do a really good job early on, on teaching you, take, taking you through like the, I'm through the tutorial levels at this point, you know, so I've learned how to skin and how to hunt and how those things work. I had to use the bow. And so that was another mechanic that I had to learn. Uh, and so, you know, anyway, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I, I have really enjoyed it, but it is one of those things where a game's frustratingly, because I do have kids that I know that I'm not going to be able to play very often because you, you can't just sit there no. and play for 15 minutes. You just can't, you can't play it for 15 minutes. You got to sit down and play it for 45 minutes or an hour, get a, get another chapter or two in, stay a little sharp, stay frosty on your, on your controls uh, because if you don't, then, you know, like, like I said, you'll get your ass handed to you. You'll end up riding your horse off a cliff because you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so have you seen the new, fun. have you seen the like rare Arabian horse? Everyone goes mad for this white one. You're too early. No, in, I, I have not. Yeah. Apparently there's some like super rare collectible horse. Everyone loses their mind over. So, you know, it's like a, like Ooh. a white speckled fancy looking horse. Well, I'm thinking there's got to be a way that I'm, I've got to figure out a way to, to actually, I don't know. I, because in my mind, in my heart of hearts, I have no desire. I barely have any desire to take care of the horse I have. It's not because I hate the horse. It's because there's just too many things to do. And that's the thing that I worried about this game. I mean, the, your horse, one thing about the horse that people have complained about is if you're too far away from your horse, if you whistle, there's a whistle mechanic. If you whistle, he'll come to you no matter where he is, except for it isn't no matter where he is. He has to be close enough to hear you. And the better you take care of him, the more you brush him and feed him and don't kill him. He will increase his ability to to hear you from further distances and have more stamina. And he does, you know, and he's doesn't get spooked by bears and kick you off of him. And then you get killed by a bear. All bad things. So... Uh, you know, but I don't, you know, I, I learned, I learned yesterday how to pet your, you know, you pat your, uh, horse while you're riding him to kind of calm him down. I learned that. I hope that's all yeah. I need because that's maybe all I'm going to do in all of this. Shame on you. It's, it's an immersive world with like shrinking horse balls and, and you won't even brush the horse. Shame on you. Shame on you. I know it. <laughs> I know it. I'm, I, <laughs> There are so many things to do. I mean, the crafting, I could go kill a rare bear and then make an outfit out of it, you know, if I wanted to. I, but I don't care. I kind of dig the outfit he's wearing. Is outfit the right way? Can I get a, can I get a ruling on this, judges? Outfit, cowboy outfit? Does that just tell you more about me than it does about the cowboy? I mean, it, it, it really does. And I feel like, you know, having, having seen some of your uh, general Facebook content, I would say, like... <laughs> You're like a biker cowboy <laughs> hybrid. So biker maybe it just speaks to your personal style. It does, and I dig it. So <laughs> I, I, 
You need to get you a vest like that. I, like you I got a vest. I, just, I know you do. I, I, I know. I just don't know. <laughs> now I need a horse or a cowboy hat, you know? So I told my wife that. Do you I know said, how to well, ride? I think I'm going to be a cowboy too now. So what's that? You ha you, do you know how to ride? You kind of need to know how to ride. I know how to ride a motorcycle. I do not know how to ride a... They horse. are not the same things. They are not the same thing. I've heard this. I've seen pictures. I'm like so, the opposite. I know how to ride a horse and not a motorcycle. <laughs> well, I think that they're both equally dangerous for completely different reasons. <laughs> oh, man. Well, look. But I love it. It's you've been, had a, it's much been more a lot of fun. So, what's that? You, you've had a much more productive gaming sesh than, than I have. I can't believe I downloaded the game and it didn't. I mean, I launched it and then I went to sleep. <laughs> oh, no. Choices were made. Yeah, yeah, I know. Choices Shame of me. Well, you, pro you probably had to kind of it. come to the terms with that well before mm. anything. You're like, there's a good chance I'm not playing this at all, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Very good. All right, so uh, did you have any news uh, that you wanted to share? I, I do have news. I would say that it is more internet-related news. Um, it is gaming-related, but just generally internet from, from over here. I don't know if it's made so much over there. Um, have you heard much about Article 13? I think I have heard a little bit, but you could explain for the mm. folks at home. So basically, Art Article 13 is something that the European Union has come up with, um, and it it's passed for all intents and purposes, which means some version of this rule will come into place. Um, and without going too much into, I mean, you can Google it, it's a, it's a big deal, uh, but basically it's meant to protect copyright holders. It's meant to make it so that if you repost content that has a link to a, a news organization, I'm putting that in quotes, so technically that could be something like Temple of Geek, we are press for better or worse, um, then the people who repost it technically will need to pay you some sort of royalty for doing okay. so, yeah. uh, which doesn't sound like a bad idea until you actually think about it. Um, and and I'll, I'll just briefly explain why later. But the other part of it is also if you repost copyrighted content, like a meme, for example, or um, you go to a concert and you record yourself while you're there and the music's playing in the background, or you are a, uh, a live streamer, for example, there's large concern that um, the new regulations that require large organizations like Google and YouTube to brutally crack down on copyright infringement means that they will likely ban access to the majority of features on the platform for everyone in the European Union, full stop. Right. Um, so uh, Spain, uh, I think it's Barcelona specifically, but Spain in general has a law like this and it's uh, like similar to it. And it was related to news aggregators, same sort of like link tax sort of thing. And Google's response was to pull all Google news services from the, the entire place because wow. um, because policing it, creating algorithms, hiring staff to do whatever just didn't make sense. And it was better to just not take the legal risk. 
and YouTube has been lobbying extremely strongly on its own platform. I would say every sixth or seventh ad that I see is related to save your internet, youtube.com forward slash save your internet. So they're very scared about this legislation. And I get it because copyright um, controls are already mental on the platform. And if the legal ramification was with them for hosting it instead of with the poster for posting it, I yeah. feel like they actually would restrict services. It's um, We already are seeing this in the EU. Um, a lot of times when you live in the EU and you go to a website that's based in the US, because of our uh, GDPR regulation around data protection, which is very, very strong now, um, and a violation of it would cost you roughly 2% of your gross uh, revenue. Um, a lot of websites just block our access entirely. It happens to me all the time, a lot of times with news organizations. So it's really hard for me to stay connected with like more local media back home because a lot of the websites were like, it's actually not worth it to host the traffic. So that's what's going on over here. I think, I think it I has to be like ratified or something. So we're like near the final stages, but some version of it is going to pass like full stop. That's not good. Uh, I, I watched a video, Matt Pat, uh, on the uh, game theorist and film theorist. I'm not sure which one. I think it was game theory. He posted something about that. And uh, no, it was film theory. Whatever. It's one of those two. They're on the same channel. Basically said the same thing. He uh, It was titled, All Your Memes Are Dead. Hmm. Uh, and and uh, he went into the fact that all of this copyrighted material, how it's regulated or potentially will be regulated in, in Europe. So Article 13, I didn't know it. Uh, by the name, but once you described it, I definitely am aware of it. I'm, I have heard of it, and that's uh, that's that could be bad because ultimately, what he said is that it only it will pave the way for large corporations to be the only ones on the platform, and not yeah. the small person, the little one. Uh, and that's garbage because now you know it it pushes everybody because that's kind of what has happened to a degree. That's the, what started happening on YouTube to begin with is the small channels that were being monetized got bullied out uh, because mm -hmm. the model wasn't sustainable. But, you know, we'll make a model that is sustainable and maybe that's what they're doing. Unfortunately, this change in Europe could go a long way in the wrong direction, you know, for those people. Yeah, well, I've I mean, I've already seen it happen with the GDPR regulations where companies have decided actually it's too costly to fix our internal systems and change the way that we do business to accommodate stricter privacy control. So we're just not going to serve you. And because even though even though Europe is a powerful market and stuff like that, I think they're underestimating how powerful these large companies are, where they are capable of making the decision to not participate in the economy. Um, cause they've done it before. And I feel like they, I feel like they would, which sucks on many, 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 many levels, but it's more concerning if you remain in the market because then they have to make up that revenue somehow. So if you think yeah. about that, all of the creators that aren't going to be penalized, all of the, um, audience members that can still watch like in the U S or whatever, that means more ads, longer ads, increased cost of ads, costs of business. Like it's weird, but it actually will have a huge impact on the gaming industry and things like that. Because right now I really feel like the gaming industry piggybacks a lot off of influencers and hype, which I feel like ties into your new story, but 
if those influencers aren't allowed to make that content anymore, or if they're US-based influencers, they're going to have to um, pay more to get that sort of coverage and stuff. And I think you know, the ability that you'll be able to hear a game, see a game, you know, even people like Jim Sterling, because he's based in the US, if they block that content, I won't be able to watch him anymore. So, right. you know, I think it's, it's all that sort of stuff. And I feel like some people are like, you're just being extreme, it won't actually happen. But GDPR was a much, much, much more lenient um, change to the law which basically just said, you know, if you're going to store somebody's private information, you need to get their, their consent for every type of communication that you're going to send them and only collect the minimum amount of information. That's literally all it is. And businesses have already said, no, nah, thanks. <laughs> That's not enough. Yeah. So imagine if the legal ramifications was on the host, you know, even right. even our own website, if we were posting content and whatever and we you know we didn't make sure that it was free use imagery and all sorts like it would become even bigger of a problem if we uploaded it to say facebook or one of the other ones um and we didn't have the right permissions in place so you know what i mean like it's a fairly big right. deal well it would be bad for facebook <laughs> right it wouldn't be it wouldn't necessarily be bad for us per se because now facebook's on the hook for it yeah, but we uh, when we drove the traffic to our site with relink content, we'd have to pay for the link as well. For sure, yeah, yeah. So like, it's kind of a, a twofer. Well, I mean, <laughs> what's what you know, a hundred dollars to one person is a billion dollars to another person. So you know, mm -hmm. for us having having you know very little, if you take anything from us, that's that's a lot. So yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, um, if you want to donate us a hundred dollars, like we will actually love it. We could use some new yeah. equipment. I'm just saying. Like we'll Stacy doesn't have a webcam. I'm certain he doesn't even own one. Let's just talk about that. <laughs> uh, maybe did in the early two thousands. I mean, has that technology changed? Who knows? I don't know. Uh, the struggle um, is real. I have an I have an alienware for my street cred. That's like all I've got. Um doesn't that have an inbuilt camera, you numpty? Mine doesn't. Uh oh, wow. mine doesn't. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But I don't have Street that anywhere. I know. I, yeah, it just didn't. I didn't. It didn't strike me as being something I needed. But you know, now I know. Mm -hmm. I did. This. Yeah. This wasn't the dream six years ago, but it is now. Um, and that you know, it's a different person when I bought this computer. Uh, so you you had an influencer related news story, didn't you? I did. I did, and that was something that kind of that really struck me. Now it was brought to my attention by Jim Sterling, uh, who we talk about a lot on this channel, um, and in a, in a good way. Um, that uh, I, And I'd love to meet him one day, because you know he just he lives in Mississippi, and I know he goes to he conventions over there. I'd, I'd love to, to go um, meet him at a convention or something like that and just kind of spitball with him and just see, you know, I'd pick his brain for a minute, because he does, he has a lot of takes on the industry, and I don't disagree with anything he's ever said, to be honest. For the most part, you know, uh, he's got really good points about the big picture and, and it's on those points that I agree with him. Uh, but anyway, so he brought up a story about um, there was a kind of a kerfuffle with Bethesda and Fallout 76. Now, we talked about Fallout 76 last week, how it's kind of been uh, a bit of a shit show, if we are being honest. <laughs> um and, and, uh, you know, you're, you've got an MMO on the same engine that you basically put out 
everything that you've done so far, you know? And so all the quirky things that were just considered to be quirky parts of Bethesda are now like a part of a major, uh, you know, an MMO. Uh, and so the, there was one of the packages that you could buy when you buy this game, because this game is out now. And if you were to go buy this game, you could get a, uh, a, I want to see if it's a collector's, uh, let's see. We've, I don't want to misspeak. Um, that you have a uh, doo -doo -doo. the power armor edition is what it's called. Sorry, the power armor edition. And so the power armor edition is just one of the editions that you could buy. And nowadays you've got ten different editions you can buy: the special edition, the super special edition. This just happens to be the power armor edition, which came with a helmet and it came with a bag and it came with a game. And I believe it came with a couple other things. Uh, but the bag that was advertised and the bag that is described on the website and in the description is a canvas bag. Now, whether you, you know, you want to split hairs over the, you know, whether a canvas bag is good or not. The fact that they advertise it is that's that should be all you need to know. They advertise this bag when you buy it. That's what you should get because that's what was advertised. Well, a lot of people who were getting their uh Power Armor editions in the mail were getting a nylon bag. And that's what Jim Sterling got. That's what a lot of other people got that uh, that that ordered it. And people were getting upset. They were writing into Bethesda and, and telling them, you know, I mean, this is wrong. What are we going to do to write this? And basically Bethesda's response was that they don't plan to do anything about it and that they're sorry I, that they I didn't like that their one. bag. I think they started with they're, they're sorry they didn't like their bag, which is a backwards apology. It's not even an apology. It's I'm sorry for what you don't like. Like, I'm sorry. It's I'm not I'm not sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for what you feel. You know, like you feel something. I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> it's not like I disagree with what I did. And then and because the wording that was very important, they worded that the way that they meant to. And then the second thing was is. Uh, that they, they they don't plan to do anything about it. Well, that wouldn't have been as bad, probably. I mean, it's bad. That's pretty bad. That's really bad. They had, There's a lot of goodwill built up with Bethesda, and they are losing it. They are hemorrhaging it right now. That wouldn't have been as bad if it weren't for a few influencers that had done unboxings on the Internet and actually shown that they were given canvas bags. So there were actually canvas bags created. There were canvas bags that were given out to influencers. But it was decided somewhere without telling anyone that those were the only people that were going to get them. And so uh, anyway, the, you know, that they basically those bags that were shown were just prototypes and they never really had any intention of making canvas bags for everybody. But they had no plans to even change the description for the power armor uh, edition. I mean, so what do you do to someone who's just going to be so, I mean, they're, 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 they literally, they're going to lie to your face. And then they're also going to tell you, they're not going to do anything about it. And neither are you. Yeah. That's not really impressive. Like, you know, what I found so funny is that didn't, I don't know if you literally just said this and I was on Space Cadet Planet, but like, didn't they <laughs> offer them ingrained credit that was like worth oh, $5? Yeah. No, you're right. I didn't say it. They basically gave them $5 worth of credit 
And, and Jim Sterling also made a point to show that the $5 worth of credit that they give you in game for getting your nylon bag isn't even enough to buy the nylon bag that's in the game. Yeah, which is I mean which the, is the canvas bag. So you can't even get you can't even get the outfit that has the canvas bag in the game for the money they're going to give you for not giving you the canvas bag to begin with. Which is insane. <laughs> it really it's, makes it's me really, laugh. It's be, it's funny when you put it that way and I I don't buy the special editions usually anyway. Uh they just don't they're usually not worth it anymore you know i i just rather go without it i did buy it with the last two games so um, call me a liar i did buy it on the last two games um but you know generally speaking i don't strictly because it's stuff that should have been in the game to begin with and and it, i just don't see the merit in it this is just i think this is bad business i don't know any other way around say or what to say but other than it's bad business Yeah, I just think it's so funny that they give you credit that technically means you would need to spend more money to get anything of value. That's not a gift. You you would. You could get things with 500 but nothing that you would want. I mean, nothing nothing that's of, like, substance. And to actually get something that would be, you know, interesting or, for lack of a better term, cool for your character in-game, you can't even get the outfit that has the canvas bag. The fake digital canvas bag. It's that to me that is the most ironic. That is just the the best part of the whole of the whole uh, shit sandwich. So, and, yeah. and for the, this, we may have to put an explicit warning on this one. I mean, we've had three curse words all said by me in the same episode. It's a lot. So, sorry about that. Just I just get riled up when you know talking about canvas bags. So, that's all the news I had. Well. Then that brings us to our main, uh, the main segment where we're going to finish our discussion on the Franken game. I feel like we're on course to make maybe two of the greatest games that have ever been made. Um, I agree. Or two of the greatest games that have never been made. Um, and may never be made, but I sure do, I, you know, a man can dream. And we ended on weaponry last time. Uh, I believe that was our last uh, topic in, or our last category, and we still have story, uh, NPC dialogue. We've got themes, and we've got the wild card category uh, to go. And so, for you, what would you say uh, if you wanted to? I mean, and we can go back and forth on the story because I feel the story is such a. It, a this is a difficult one for me. Story and wild cards were kind of difficult for me to 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 pinpoint. Difficult for me to to, to flesh out a lot because, you know, without writing my own game, uh, I didn't know, I just wanted to kind of stick to story beats or like themes within a story that I wanted. So how did you approach it and, and what did you think should be involved? Um, so what I approached it was like whatever elements I really liked, I wanted to find an example of the exact like game where I felt it was done best. So what are, we're, so we're on what ones we have go we have story and writing npc dialogue and intercharacter mature themes and wild cards that's what we're going through this time yeah yes so on story and writing i think my approach was i wanted to talk about games that have a specific style to their story as well so like 
if you if you were just reading dialogue from the game, you could almost figure out what it is. Like where the writing is its own selling point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I dig it. I, I like that and I like the idea because one of the things about story um you could get away with this a long time ago when you couldn't show you had to tell. And so I think, you know, if you're playing tabletop Dungeons and Dragons, uh, if you have a really good dungeon master, then you have somebody who can look at this super nerd here. If you have a really good dungeon master, (laughs) you have someone who can paint a, a a very detailed picture about what you're, and then you can see the world, you know, uh, but he, he doesn't do it with ex- expository dialogue, per se. That's not the only way he does it. He does it with, you know, with, with uh, you know, illustrative dialogue and, and just painting this picture that you can vividly see. Uh, but that's because you're limited by your means. Like, you, you don't have the graphics or the picture to show it necessarily. And if you do, that just enhances the experience. Back in the day with your RPGs, a lot of times you had to read the dialogue. And so for my game in the story, I would like it to be a little bit like Red Dead or uh, I, I, I think The Witcher did a good job of this as well about uh, and, and I think there's I might even take a little bit of, you know, since Spider-Man's fresh on my mind, the fact that NPCs will say things when you walk past them. Uh, even, even fable did that where you would walk by NPCs and based on your actions, they would say things and you could pick up part of the story or maybe even part of what people think about you, which fleshes out the world a bit. But I think showing me more than telling me, you know, show me the world, make me have to look at the screen and to see everything. Give me some expository dialogue to paint the picture. But I mean, I, I'd, I'd like it to be something that I can tell more kind of like what you were saying. I can get the story by looking at, at kind of what's going on and, and, you know, visual cues, not needing someone to beat me over the head with exactly what's going on and exactly what's happened. Just fill in the blanks for me, you know? I mean, at least how, that's how I want the story to be delivered. That's not necessarily the story. That's how I want it to be delivered. Okay. I think for me, because I approached it slightly differently. I would say that if you pick up any telltale story, you know it's a telltale game. Like the episodic nature, the kind of high emotion, high stakes, um, it just, they have a very similar type of writing. Right, they do. And and I enjoy it, I, I think that it's good. So my game would have that kind of consistent tone of voice, the high stakes, the high emotion. Um, but I would say I also found it interesting, um, the quantum break mechanic where you have that episodic TV series in it. So I pigeonhole that in there as well, just, you know, because it made the game something more, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, and I, I, I I definitely get that. And I don't want something that... If I if I have to you know look away for a moment and I'll miss everything and I won't know what's going on. I do also like the maybe not the episodic portion of it, but I like I like having fully fleshed out characters in the story 
we've already talked about having party members, or at least I know that for the game that I want to, to create, I want it to have party members. I want all those party members to have fully fleshed out stories. I want that to be something that, that is, that is organic so that, you know, it, it kind of comes up when you walk by them, they're like, Hey Shepard, when, when you have a moment, I'd like to talk to you. Um, and then you go over and talk to them and then you go into this dialogue and they kind of tell you what's going on, but you already know enough about them because of the story that everything that they need from you, everything that they're doing, all of their wants at that point makes sense narratively. Um, it's not like, then I'll give an example of how this is done poorly in, uh, the star Wars, the old Republic, the MMO. Which man? I mean, I'm a huge. Star oh, Wars you fan. really bang on this game, man! What did they do to you? How did tell me on the doll where Star Wars: The Old Republic <laughs> they, hurt you? Hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> the well, the uh, they they did a lot of things. They did a lot of things bad, and they did some things good early in the game. It's a lot of fun because it is very similar to you get a lot of the 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 Star Wars themes, and you. I, I'm just one of those people that, that if I want to play with people, I'll play with people, but I'd like to have a really strong solo campaign. And for about the first 60 levels, it's a moderately strong solo campaign. After that, it gets convoluted, and I'm not sure what's going on in the story. Again, I also haven't kept up with it after level 60 very closely. But it's because I also lost interest. But the thing that bothered me the most about the party system was... You pick up party members, but I didn't really care about what was going on with those party members. They they didn't make me care. They didn't give me story beats to make me care necessarily. It's like you might find one or two that matter to you. Um, and, and it's only because either they look cool or you're like, that might be the romantic interest or something like that. Um, and, but, you know, in, in the original the uh, KOTOR games... I felt like all of the characters in your party kind of were interesting. Even, uh, I think you, your favorite was what's his name? The pilot. Oh, uh, the, the robot dude. No, they called I you like him. Bag. HK. Oh, he HK. was amazing. Everybody's a meat sack. No, yeah. I was thinking, uh, I, I thought for some reason that you liked the, the pilot who was kind of like a whiny Han Solo. And oh yeah, but I I played that game like ten, maybe fifteen years ago. The fact that oh, I, I still know, remember I anything about it is amazing to me. Well, I just remember being called Meatbag and I loving it. it. It's a it's a great game, and I remember it very well. Problem is, is that I just I just didn't. I needed more, maybe from that particular character. But other than that, I mean, I felt like for the time they did the best of any game that I played so far of really fleshing out the characters so that I knew exactly who they were. I knew their personalities. I knew what they would do and what they, what they would respond to, which is a ton. I mean, that's so much more than you could get from, you know, the text-based RPGs and things like that. Um, yeah. So, you know, with, with that in mind, uh, you know, knowing, and I think that has a lot to do with the fact that they were spoken words, you know, it was spoken uh, dialogue. And so you actually had, uh, you know, recorded dialogue for the characters. And that just does so much more to create, um, you know, the story again, I haven't really got into any story beats, just more of how it's delivered, but I need party members that are all involved, uh, in, in, uh, in that, I guess in that story, they're all, they all have their own spoken dialogue. They're all involved in creating and fleshing out the story. If you want to pursue that, it just adds to the story. If you don't, 
you know, you, you still have a, a bare bones story that seems to make sense. Um, and I already said that I wanted it to be uh, in, in a high fantasy or science fantasy, sci fantasy, um, you know, setting. Uh, well, and, and, and I guess this goes towards the story. Would you like there to be multiple endings? Uh, yes, I would like there to be multiple endings. Um, I, you know, we talked last time about the Fenris story arc in uh, Dragon Age Inquisition and how if you pursue that love interest, it's not significantly, but obviously changed the ending. You got an extra scene, like things were obviously quite different when you played that versus other love interests. So I would, I would like my choices to have impact. I would like there to be, you know, some trees that I could go down. I don't think it's necessary that there be 20 different endings because I don't think anyone is going to play any game 20 times to completion. So it's just, you know, I don't think it's right. fair that you wouldn't get a full, you know, uh, breath of experience unless you played it over and over and over. But I do think it's nice when there are like two or three different endings that you could get and to go back and make different choices and see, you know, what would have happened, which I usually do. Like I'll usually play my first playthrough exactly how I would play it. And then I'll go back through and try to make different choices and see what happens. I like, uh, you know, and, and maybe this changes how my game I don't know how I would fit this into the game. I'll have to think about it. But one thing that Detroit Detroit Become Human does is it it is episodic in a way in that you have chapters, and once you complete a chapter, you get to see how your how your choices panned out, and then you also see how they would have branched out had you made other choices. So you're looking and you're seeing this flow chart of how your choice got you to where you are. But when you pan out and you go back and you look, you see that, man, I could have made, this could have gone in like 25 different ways based on how, I mean, it is in, it is an incredible number of options and so much work went into making that type of experience. So it may be too much to ask to do something like that. But what I would like is maybe, you have an opportunity and maybe all it is is a matter of you saving it in a spot knowing or maybe, you know, taking it upon yourself to have multiple saves. I think anybody that's played RPGs has done this anyway. Yeah. You, know, you save it right before a boss or you save it right before you save it right before a boss so you can go back if you have to and make a different choice. But I think that you give yourself the option and, and you have multiple endings uh, so that you can see that if I make a different choice here, that this entire game from this point point forward is going to be a little bit different. Um, but I, I I think that somehow you have to make it within the context of the game. Make it known that this decision right here is going to have, you know, like I think uh, I think Telltale does this where they tell you, you know, they'll remember this, but they also you can tell there's going to be weight to this. To this decision. Yeah, because they usually only give you two choices and like everything slows down. It's like save this person or save this person. They make it quite obvious right. that, that you're yes. making a choice. And so I think you find a way to do that. Find a way to make it to where you have, you know, you have time to to, to make that decision. And and, uh, and 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 then you go from there. And, and, and from that point forward, you could save it before that and go in a different direction but that you have choices like that that truly have an effect on the on the end result of the game and and give yourself 
that, that way you don't have to go all the way back to the beginning and play it again. You know, yeah. you can just play it from that point and, uh, and still get, you know, the, the experience. And I think that that makes it so much more worthwhile than having to start from scratch, go through all the tutorial stuff that you didn't really want to have to do again. You can just get, to, I know how to play the game. I just want to make a different choice right here. Um, and I yeah. think that having an option like that in the story would be, uh, beneficial. What about NPC? What about NPC dialogue and intercharacter? Because I'm dying to know what you have to say about this. So, you know, I, I have think, I have moods. Oh yeah. Well, I I think I kind of agree with you in this is that I, I think that you need to have, uh, you should be there should be a level of uh, RPG. There should be some RPG elements in the NPC interactions i mean I, I i like the idea that that mass effect kind of adopted of you being able to talk to people you get quests from people but those quests also influence maybe that person and then other people that that are influenced by that person if that makes sense like a shopkeeper yeah. that asks you about a murder then you have to go take care and figure out what happened in that murder and then that shopkeeper may you may continue and if that relationship it continues to evolve with that particular npc um and then you, you know, you, from that point, I mean, they, they kind of become a part of your story. They become a part of the, the, the narrative and, and just kind of flesh out the story a little bit more with that. You also maybe, and, and I think you said, or, or, well, tell me, I, I think that we're on the same page in terms of NPCs that you just run into, you know, on a daily basis. So what's your take on, on NPC dialogue? So for me, it's super important, and there, in my opinion, have only been a few games that have done it really well. Um, and there have been some games that tried but epically failed. I think I think the best example of tried but failed is probably the Elder Scrolls. The fact that so much of the NPC dialogue is memeable tells you how often it's repeated. You know, like, oh, I used to be an adventurer like you, but then I took an arrow to the knee. You know, all sorts. Like, I feel like the... It was almost like someone was playing Mad Libs. You know, like, it didn't feel organic. It didn't feel like most of them had a personality. Like, so... I would say I don't think that they've done it right. I feel like Dragon Age Inquisition, at least for the party members, in my recent memory, had the most dynamic NPC um, banter. So the NPCs in your party would talk to each other, and based on the choices you had made, they would be making comments about it. So like, let's say, for example, you didn't have... Uh, Iron Bull is a love interest. Him and the like, uh, gay mage dude, they would start going out. And then all their conversations when you were partying would be like them flirting with each other and stuff. So it was like completely different based on the choices that you made and who you invested time with, what the party members would talk about when you were like traveling from place to place. So I thought yeah. that was quite cool. Um, and that, you know, yeah. they were quite cheeky as well. Like they had a good sense of humor and then mass effect. I felt like for the most part, the characters had their own distinct personalities. Like, you know, you could tell the difference between conversations that you would be likely to have with Jack and conversations that you'd be likely to have with Varys. You know what I mean? Like, they were right. completely different fleshed out creatures. You know, they're not, you know, humanoid characters. Um, sure. Jack's human, but you know, 
Um, and, and so I really appreciated that. And I think my perfect game would have a combination of those two things. I want the world to go on after I make a choice. And I think Dragon Age Inquisition made it clear. Like, if you weren't interested in pursuing a romantic relationship with this character, he's not waiting for you. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to date someone else who's hanging out with, like, they had their own little lives going on. You know, some of them didn't like each other. They didn't like hanging out with each other. They would make fun of each other and there'd be jabs and, you know, or they, you know, like... um, Morrigan and I, I think Morrigan and Zevran or Morrigan and, and uh, oh, Morrigan and the paladin dude whose name I don't remember. They would just be trading insults all the time. Like they really didn't like each other at all. And I found it was interesting that when you put them in a party together, you know, some of the more fleshed out characters, you could really have a fun experience just listening to them talk to each other, like just stand around and see what they're saying. Uh, maybe that's just me. <laughs> No, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I think the Old Republic did that as well. The MMO where you'd have, in the middle of a battle, you might have people talking or as you're walking to a battle, you'll have two characters because you have two characters and yourself in the party. So three total. And the two that you bring could banter based on whoever you brought. And, and I thought they did do a good job of that. And it was all voice acted. And so that's awesome. Um, Mass Effect did a good job of that. Uh, you know, so... Yeah, I, de- I definitely see that as as a as a as a big pos- something that I would want in my game as well to have uh, NPC character interaction that uh, that is affected by the decisions that you make and 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 that just makes for a deeper, more immersive story as well. So, uh, it's so nine fifty five, and yeah. my my wife has to go pick up the kids, so um, what I was thinking is is right here we may make this a three parter. <laughs> And oh, wow, okay. really dive in, really dive into these last two categories and try to okay. maybe even come up with at the end, summarize our game. Okay. Uh, and make, Love you it. know, and say like our game, this is our game and then lay it out like that. Let's that do good? it. Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, then we'll just plan on doing that. Then we'll do our awards uh, or our, uh, we'll, we'll nominate our games and then, or maybe we'll just... We'll talk about it. We'll figure out what the next one will be. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. We, we've turned this into a three-parter, which is excellent. This top content. Yeah. Anyway, do do the yeah, do the I, outro to like that effect because poor Daniel's going to have to crop like his life. Oh, I know. I've got it marked here. 4955 is when he'll have to mark it. So I'll go ahead and do the outro and and then we'll uh, we'll just pick it up next time. Love it. Cool. All right. So here we go. And that wraps up this episode of Retro Rep. Oh, nope, shoot. Okay, here we go. <laughs> well, we'll go ahead and turn this into a three-parter. So Franken-Game Part 3 next time. Uh, we've got, we're going to wrap it up, and then we'll even go into exactly what our game is going to look like. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun, so stay tuned for that. So that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at RetroRebel at TempleOfGeek.com. If you like what you hear, head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and subscribe. So you'll be sure to get each episode as it's released. And rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later. See you later.